Welcome to everyone tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jillian Perkins. I'm the Director of Communications at Art Arch Messina. We're a Portland-based investment advisory firm bringing our unique and disciplined process and philosophy to nonprofit endowments and foundations, high net worth individuals and families, and corporate clients. Welcome to part two of our impact investing series in which we're exploring the why, what, and how of impact investing. Arnarch Messina has been focusing research efforts in this area for more than a decade now, and we're really excited to offer our clients a complete multi-asset class portfolio with an impact focus, and one that we think has great outperformance potential. In our last podcast, part one of the series, we discussed the history and background to our research. Today, we're going to be diving into what exactly impact investing is and why investors should be excited about it. Here to talk about it are co-CIO Brian Shipley and investment advisor Rylan Moore. Both of them have been intimately involved with their impact research and portfolio development process and bring their expertise and insight to the subject. So it's my pleasure to introduce Brian and Rylan. Uh, let's dive in and get started. Sounds great. Yeah, great. Thank you. So first of all, can we pin down exactly what impact investing is? How do we define impact investing, and what does it mean specifically to our Messina? Yeah, I think this has been probably one of the biggest challenges within the space is really kind of identifying what investors are trying to accomplish when they think about impact investing. I think at Arnarch Messina, we have a very clear uh, idea of what it means to us, and, and, and frankly, that's as simple as kind of thinking about what the world needs and leaning into segments of the market that we think are going to have extremely extremely uh, strong tailwinds behind their backs so thinking of healthcare, uh, renewable energy getting getting more out of the resources that we're using as opposed to just focusing on um, sim- simply supplying more to the market it's really kind of getting as much as we can out of out of the resources that we're extracting from the earth mm-hmm. um, that's that's in the simplest terms of how we think about it it's it's being in those places that we think are going to have uh, massive uh, tailwinds behind them. Uh, when we're engaging with clients, they may come at it from a little bit different perspective, and we're going to dive a little bit more into kind of this ESG mindset or SRI mindset, but um, simply put, that's how we think about it. Yes. So I've heard Tony Arnrich talk a lot about investing in what the world needs versus what the world wants. How does that play in? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to take a step back, and, and so there's what the world needs, and so that's where you look at Arnrich Messina's philosophy, where you have... Um, the things we believe the world needs, which is uh, water, energy technologies, uh, healthy living, health care, food and agriculture. Mm-hmm. So that builds up our premise um, uh, of what we think of, it, of as impact. And there's some other things you can throw in there too on the social scale. So uh, things like affordability, affordable housing mm-hmm. initiatives, that's also a component. But, um, you know, Impact investing is such a broad topic, and, and everybody is going to have their own definition. I mean, uh, the Global Impact Investing Network, what they call GIN um, uh, as an acronym, really is uh, that investments are made with intention, um, that they're there to make a, a positive and measurable social or environmental uh, impact um, in, in conjunction with financial return. So if you look at that as a broad definition, that kind of incorporates everything, whether you're in a camp where you're looking at it from an impact first um, uh, uh, lens, where you're, you're focused on the impact and, and financial return is secondary, mm-hmm. or you come at it more from the Arnold Messina model, mm-hmm. which is finance first, where we're looking at it from return 
and impact um, and, and collectively doing that. So I think that there's this uh, much broader world out there. And, and the great thing is that right now we're starting to see more and more investments uh, and more and more investment opportunities through funds, through fund of funds, and through direct investments, both in the private and public market, mm-hmm. that somebody could build out and, and invest in those things that they care about most, whether it's more on the social side if, or if it's more on the um, environmental side, if it's more impact first or it's more finance first. I think there's... So what, can there. you define that for us? What what does finance first mean versus impact first? Uh, so, um, yes. So so back in the 80s and 90s, you, you saw what, what came out as what, what, what's now called or what was then called even then venture philanthropy, mm-hmm. where you were finding um, market conditions to be able to solve a problem. And it might be a lower return, uh, environment and they did a lot with mm-hmm. green bonds uh, in the fixed income space as a way to finance certain um, efforts to solve a problem right. uh, socially or environmentally mm-hmm. um, so so investors if you want to call them that they worked with a lot a lot of times nonprofits were involved uh, would uh, place dollars in these uh, categories and it would go and, and finance a project uh, that had a measurable outcome mm-hmm. um, to solve a problem that was identified prior to the investment being made for a lesser return. Mm-hmm. And many clients um, or investors at that time said, well, that's great because I was just going to donate the money anyway. Right. So the fact that it generates even a modicum of return, that's okay. Uh, and, and sometimes when the return came, uh, many, of those donor, among many of those investors would donate the money back to the nonprofit anyways as huh. a tax write-off right. uh, instead okay. of occurring the gain. So um, that is kind of the, the um, impact first mentality or uh, what, what some uh, call venture philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the bigger move movement now today is in the finance first. And so if, when I say finance first, and, and Brian, please add, add more here, um, but finance first is really focused on uh, at market or above market rate returns mm-hmm. based on the asset class that you're investing in. So if you're in, um, you know, public fixed income space, uh, or public growth equity space, or private equity, private real estate, you are, uh, even in the impact space, you're able to get at or at market rate or above market rate returns, um, as just as if you were investing in something that didn't have uh, an impact theme wrapped around it, or there wasn't a philosophy on the impact itself, or you were just focused on um, getting the highest return for your money right. without any kind of impact consideration at all. Right, okay. So along with that, when we talk about impact first, finance first, there's also there's this whole alphabet soup of acronyms in the impact investing world that I think people get hung up on and confused about. There's SRI and ESG. How do these play into this and into our Nurture Messina's approach? Yeah, I think this really kind of weaves really nicely into the conversation that we were just having about finance first versus uh, impact first. And, you know, the world, uh, early days, really kind of centered on this concept of SRI, which is socially responsible investing, which mm-hmm. simply put, basically meant you were kind of screening out companies that you didn't want to own for mission reasons, uh, religious reasons, whatever it might be, you'd be screening out things like alcohol and tobacco and firearms and defense contractors and those kind of things. And the the view was when you're when you're eliminating a reasonable part of your investment universe, 
your returns almost by definition go down. Right. And so the world has really kind of changed when it comes to kind of impact investing, morphing from kind of that old school SRI mindset to today what is considered more of an ESG mindset. Mm -hmm. ESG is defined as environmental, social, and governance. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that each and every one of these companies is investing in environment or social or governance in, in specifically, but it's it's companies that are thinking about the risks that are kind of posed mm -hmm. when you look through a different lens. So thinking about a local company here in Portland, like a Nike, um, you know, they they uh, had some challenging times when press came out about right. some of their child labor practices and, and how they were sourcing materials. And, you know, they, they, were, they were hit pretty hard as a stock and as a company uh, based on that. And so I think that kind of um, created the shift in focus on how they viewed their place in the world and a lot of that focus certainly went to to labor practices but it also went to just how they went about sourcing materials and could they think differently about the shoes they make that would be less reliant on cotton or really uh, water intensive materials mm -hmm. and so you know they put a lot of a lot of time and energy into kind of the design with this fly knit technology which requires less materials it's lighter fit or lighter weight, it's a more comfortable kind of con uh, consumer experience as well. And so that's just one kind of simple example of a company that you don't think of as kind of an impact-oriented company, right. but they're, they're a massive company. And so just, uh, I don't even want to call it small things, but just things that they're doing on the margin can have a very meaningful impact. Right, huge um, risks for those companies absolutely. that aren't paying attention to right. that. Right. Well, and, and I think the in the institutional space, um, with foundations and endowments primarily, they are um, really self-aware now, which may, may have not been the case 10 or 20 years ago, over how their investments in their endowment, uh, in their portfolio, is reflected in their mission, vision, and values, just as much as the dollars they're committing to, um, to solve the world's problems on the social and environmental side uh, on a global scale. And so at one point you would have uh, a foundation or endowment that might be investing in companies or in a geographic region that might be negative in, negatively impacting a community or a group of people that on the other, on the mission-based side of the, mm -hmm. the foundation, they're trying to solve that problem and donate and save. Right. So there was no communication, it was one head was not talking to the other. Um, and now you're starting to see that alignment um, mm -hmm. within their missions where um, those institutional investors are now putting their dollars uh, more in line with their mission um, yeah. uh, and vision of, of what they're trying to do. That makes sense. Yeah, and just to kind of um, top this subject off, uh, we've got enough data now looking at that kind of ESG approach where I think it's, it's pretty evident where investors aren't having the sacrifice return looking through that ESG lens. We view it more as kind of a risk mitigator as opposed to necessarily a return enhancement, but mm. investors definitely need to be aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So ESG, impact investing, the next question is why? Why is now the right time for investors to be looking at that? Well, um, there's there's several reasons. Um, we're we're seeing a pretty large dynamic shift just in the control of wealth on a on a global scale. Um, you know, right now we're in the midst of the greatest transfer of wealth uh, the world has ever seen, with um, the boomers transferring assets down to Gen X um, and and millennials. So that is a thirty trillion dollar transfer that's occurring uh, right now and will for the next um, uh, decade or two. Um, so 
all of a sudden the control of wealth is shifting from uh, a much older generation who has different perspectives on um, uh, investing on um, global marketplaces in general. Um, also, uh, more uh, there's a gender shift as well with control of wealth. So yeah. more females are coming into control of the majority of the wealth in this world um, who also have a different uh, philosophy and perspective on investing. Different values. Exactly. Yeah. And we're starting to see this amazing shift. Um, uh, and it's not based on, you know, um, are you in the finance first camp, highest return camp versus a more concessionary, I'm willing to give up return for uh, impact camp. I think it's just a difference in philosophy of being intentional yeah. with your with with how dollars are being invested, both um, on the gender shift and on also the generational shift. And so a, a main premise of impact investing is really having intentionality. That's right. really the first um, component of, of impact People investing. Want to make a difference. Make a difference and and having an intention to solve a problem, a specific problem. You know, I mean the 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 return components and the different asset classes that you can invest in that that's also a part of it but really the intentionality um, it w is really important and then measuring that that the outcomes of, of that investment or, the, right. or how you've placed your dollars and being able to report on that um, which is also another shift um, you know there's still I mean we're all a part of this everybody that has a job in a 401k may not know why their um, you know, S&P 500 index fund went up that day or that week or went down or, or that week specifically or would even understand the number of companies or which companies are in their underlying mutual funds. Mm -hmm. But um, I think what this does is, is it creates more of a relationship with your yeah. investment dollars that may not have uh, been as apparent when you're just dealing with put your money in a retirement plan. Um, and uh, index everything in right. the public markets and put a good mix together yeah. and hope it comes out well for you. Now people are engaged. They're really engaged. And I, and I think that does some great things. Uh, just in when you have engagement and people are interested in things and they have a connection with um, their dollars, mm -hmm. um, I think it creates a more educated community um, and, and makes people make better decisions for themselves rather than just something that they're forced to do or they have to do because they don't want to end up when they retire and just not have anything. Right. Um, so there's more responsibility coming into the fray and people are more engaged. Yeah. And I think anytime you have more engagement, um, it, it makes it overall better for the community. Yeah. So what are, um, in terms of looking at outperformance and finance first, are there reasons for investing in impact investing? Why do you think this is an area that will outperform, that will serve investors both in terms of engagement and feeling aligned with their investments and their values, but also in terms of you know growing their wealth? Yeah, I you know I think we're we're at a stage here where returns have been kind of elevated across the board for both equity and mm -hmm. bond markets, and it's it's time for investors to really kind of have a very forward-looking view mm -hmm. on on markets and not just assume that history is going to repeat itself and hope you know the next ten years look like the last right. ten years. Um, and so what that means for us, and this kind of goes to our opening comments about um, positioning your portfolios in areas that really require not just Hope have hope have capital spending behind them, but really mm -hmm. require capital spending behind them, and and again that really kind of dovetails nicely with our thematic approach to impact investing. Um, Rylan touched on kind of 
four major areas that we think demand investment capital that just haven't seen that mm-hmm. here in the last decade or two. Those being water, renewable energy, um, resource efficiency, you know, agriculture, um, those kind of things. Healthcare is another good example of that. Um, that we think are going to have tremendous capital behind them. They've been Mm -hmm. relatively unloved sectors over the last decade. I mean, I think where a lot of the attention has shifted to is um, technology and um, kind of web-based services and those kind of things, and for for a a whole host of good reasons. But this is kind of going back to the basics of, Rylan made the comment of investing in what the world needs, not what the the world wants, And, and it's investing in you know, water infrastructure and how do we feed a global population that's growing yeah. that's growing really rapidly? Um, how do we provide adequate and, and progressive health care for, for people? Um, again, it's just kind of positioning our client portfolios in the path of growth is the simplest way to put it. Oh, yeah. Eating people will never go out of style. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, and, and keep in mind that these investments are still, uh, we're still investing in businesses so that the businesses still have to carry out um, uh, what they're what they were created to do. They still have to earn a return. They still have to have market conditions. They still have to have um, you know sell as more widgets or sell more devices, right. whatever they're trying to do. And so you know whatever that business model is for that individual business that you're investing in, whether it's a public business or a private business, they still have to execute. Yeah. So um, you know, but if you look at Jin's data. Um, and, and see what has outperformed, what has performed at market rate, and what has performed below, um, it's not much different than what you can expect from uh, businesses or companies that are in line with what's going on uh, in the overall public market space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think where Arnrich Messina really focuses, um, uh, in addition to, and where we see a trend, uh, and have seen a trend uh, over the most recent years, and um, is around the private market space. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more private dollars uh, being invested in private companies. Um, those dollars are, um, you know, uh, from a standpoint of the companies that are public, uh, there's a lot fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've written white papers on this around uh, the why, what, and how of private equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching that trend where you have you know close to 50 percent less publicly traded companies today than you did in the 90s the height of the dot-com era um, coupled with more and more companies staying private not going public there is a huge opportunity set in the private space Mm -hmm. along with the public space the benefit of the public space though that i think that even though brian and tony really jumped on on to this um uh genre back in uh 2007 and you know mid 2000s um, the problem was the data wasn't there right. to analyze it yeah. and until you had the data that's where um, you know I think there was a lot of roadblocks yeah. it, in addition to um, you know there was a, a little bit of a financial crisis too at the time <laughs> but that being said data is what drives people to feel comfortable to do that's things right. yeah. and it's it's one thing to have you know me as an individual or one of our clients is an individual placing dollars. It's a whole other thing to have large institutions yeah. placing large amount of dollars behind certain um, themes or investment approaches. Um, and, and so that's where you start to see adoption. That's why you see some of the biggest managers in the world who are coming out with their own impact ETFs. Right. Yeah. 
you can argue till you're blue in the face whether or not you think that's true impact and, and it's going to depend on each individual investor to make that decision for themselves but still when you see that level of commitment from some of the largest institutions uh, in the world that are putting their dollars behind um, impact thematics that's telling you something yeah yeah you bring up a really good point Ryland. so 10 years ago nobody was really talking about ESG and now you have groups like BlackRock, which is one of the biggest asset managers in the world, driving awareness to this space. Right. Not just not just reacting to client interest, but actually taking a stand and having a voice in, yeah. in how they think the, the world should look. Um, it's, it's interesting as I, as I kind of rewind over the last decade and just make just com, you know common conversations I would have with investment managers. You know, these were things that we didn't talk about with your traditional long-only equity manager a decade ago, and it comes up in nearly every single conversation that we have with equity managers today. Wow. So, you know, I, I think the world's made a lot of good progress, and, and frankly, I think you know, ten years from now, this acronym ESG may not even come up in conversations mm-hmm. anymore because if you're not looking at companies and evaluating companies through that lens, right. why wouldn't you evaluate those risks if the so data is there? exactly right. What role does technology play in all of this? Has that made a difference in terms of moving towards impact investing and feeling more comfortable and confident? I don't know if I'd point to technology. I think, again, there's just been um, a growing sub-segment of people who are focused on this. So you have major data providers like MSCI and Sustainalytics um, providing some of that ESG scoring data. We We've been really fortunate at Arnrich to have worked with kind of some of the leaders in the impact space and ESG space. So that wasn't new to us, um, this ESG mindset, but um, whether it's technology or just more and more people kind of uh, seeing the interest in this space mm-hmm. and, and this kind of um, subculture of companies that are kind of helping move that forward, mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the biggest change as opposed to some unique technology that's changed anything. So probably much better access now right. to these types right. of investments. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking to clients about this, what do you tell them about this investment landscape and about impact investing? How do you explain it to them? And, um... it, it really depends. It's a case-by-case situation. And, and some, some investors, some clients will um, jump in with both feet and be like, yes, this is who I am. I've been waiting for this. Uh, all my life and convert my entire portfolio to impact with these screens in, in a diversified way, of course. Um, uh, others are like, maybe I'll just dip my toe into it um, and I'm going to build out a sleeve um, focused around this one asset class or this amount of assets or, uh, and they kind of want to compare to kind of truth check to see over time. What's, how it's going to work, or maybe they're just going to do it in their private equity bucket, or they're just going to do it around, um, you know, private real estate and affordable housing, something that they really care about one sector uh, that they want to invest in. And we can accommodate all those different. We to, to a degree, yes. I mean, it depends on how when you start really getting down onto a localized level. I think it really starts to change a little bit um, from an impact or a change from a finance first to an impact mm-hmm. first. Um, shift. Um, hopefully, as as uh, the uh, arena grows, more dollars are committed to impact investing, and more data is out there. 
um, those more localized investments can really make a change because some people want to make a change in their own backyard and so how can they do that with financing so there are there's nonprofits NGOs that are doing that right now um, there's some nonprofit banks that, that do some uh, bonds that are more local or regional uh, right now um, but when you really want to drill down to the level of your community or um, depending on the size of the city there might be something out there but if you're in a rural community it makes it a little bit more challenging um, but still I think that there are ways to do that that we can help support them or help our clients identify um, opportunities even if it's not an approved manager by Orange Messina so we could say well this isn't something we would do because we're finance first but there are some mm -hmm. um, some opportunities that are um, you know, more impact first oriented, may not be an approved manager of Orange Messina, but if you want to do that here, we can, we can connect you with those individuals. Um, so you're starting to see that. But I think that ultimately, I was at a, um, a Big Path Capital Conference uh, two years ago, and, and while there, I was talking to somebody, and, and she said to me, you know, I, I wonder if there'll ever be a day where we don't have to use the term mm. impact investments, that it's just investing, yeah. because that's how people think. And, and I don't know if we'll ever get there because there are so many things uh, out there. But what I do hope is that impact investing um, becomes so large uh, to the point where both public and private companies, as they're developing their business models and carrying out their business plans, that they're factoring um, some of these uh, issues into how they run their businesses. Um, so it, 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 it at least has an effect um, on, on how governance is occurring within yeah. those businesses and how um, the hierarchy of those companies uh, are, 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 are growing. That would be quite a shift. Yeah, it'd be amazing. So for now, though, at this point, as it's still kind of new, people are probably pretty interested in not just seeing their return on investment, but understanding what the impact is of the dollars that they're putting into impact investing. So yeah. how do we measure that? with our impact investments. Yeah, that's kind of the holy grail, right? It's not only seeing uh, at least at market returns, hopefully better than market returns, but how do you, yeah, how do you measure mm -hmm. the impact that's actually happening in kind of a, a real life scenario? And again, I, I think as, as a firm, Arnrich Messina is really fortunate to have worked with really the thought leaders in this space, not only kind of driving investment philosophies around impact investing, but recognizing that challenge of measuring it and demonstrating that to their clients. Um, I think we've seen a ton of progress in this space over the last year or two even. Um, I think, you know, five years ago we would have managers that would that would measure kind of how they've reduced, reduced their carbon exposure, their water use uh, with the companies that they own. But today you're seeing kind of new forms of measurement through um, what's called the SDGs, so the United Nations put out a project of sustainable development goals. And I think there's 17 of them that are, you know, tied to resource efficiency and, and social change and those kind of things. And so now we're seeing companies basically look at their portfolio holdings and tie the revenue that those companies generate to specifically to those SDGs. And so it provides a nice way to kind of provide that apples to apples comparison. Uh, so that's been really interesting to see that happen over the last really year. Um, one asset class that I point that I can point to that's really easy to kind of measure from a from an impact standpoint is real estate, private real mm -hmm. estate. Um, we've worked with a really really good group um, 
that's uh, really kind of one of the founders of kind of green building. And so when you think about just the operational efficiency of a building, well, yes, it can cost more money to put in, you know, better insulated windows or windows with a glazing on it where it, where it reflects sunlight, but you're reducing some of the heating and cooling costs of the building. I mean, those are kind of real-time examples of where you can commit a little bit of extra dollars when you're building an asset that, that really drives down kind of the, the operational efficiency of that asset over time and, and how that can pay off pretty quickly for investors. Yeah. And I think the measurement uh, component is different for everybody too. I mean, it depends on, you know, if you're, um, say, really focused on the environment, um, the things that you want measured um, kind of go uh, down a certain path. Yeah. There's, there's a social component to it. To it too, but really you're focused on, for the most part, more the environmental impacts that you're creating through the investments. Whereas if you are, say, a church organization or a Catholic charity, and you're focused on some other other aspects that that you really strongly believe in, you know that goes down another way. But but the benefit of whatever you're investing in is there's still the data is now really coming to the fore where you can actually measure it, report on it truth check if your intentionality of what you're investing in is actually coming coming truth so your hypothesis of if i do this with these dollars in this way then this will be the outcome and you can measure it and then find out if it worked or not yeah. with return sounds like it's getting easier and easier and you can dive in and measure more specifically um so you talked a little bit about clients having different ideas about how much they wanted to whether they wanted to dip their toe in the water or go full in are you seeing this grow in terms of uptake? Like, are you seeing more and more interest in DC that becoming, you know, virtually 100% over time? Um, I don't know if it'll ever be 100% over time. Um, it, that's a, I, it's that's, a high bar. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're we're seeing it uh, in our younger client base. We're seeing it uh, in our client base uh, for those who. Um, uh, really care about uh, and are passionate about certain aspects uh, that are affecting us uh, in the global marketplace, um, both socially and environmentally. Uh, and we're seeing it as well at the institutional level mm-hmm. with the foundations and endowments. Um, you know, we participate uh, in two large groups: uh, the UN's principle uh, principles for responsible investing (PRI) mm-hmm. and also IEN, the Intentional Endowments Network that we're a member of. Um, and both of those entities, one is about reporting on how you're, you're doing um, with PRI. The other one is just about the sharing of information, um, mostly at the institutional level. Um, a lot of nonprofit foundations, college university foundations, hospital foundations, um, and family foundations. It's, it's really been amazing, the sharing of information and what works is almost like a peer-to-peer um, uh, uh, sharing platform. Uh, so, the adoption is occurring, yes. Um, will we ever get to 100%? I don't know. Um, but I, I've been really encouraged um, that, you know, with the changing of the wealth um, and who controls that wealth, seeing even committees that we work with of our clients where it used to be um, mostly um, one gender, uh, older generation, um, and one race. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing a lot more diversification mm-hmm. uh, in regards to race and gender and age. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it also seems to be more collaborative um, on those investment and finance mm-hmm. committees of those large institutions. 
um, that's really encouraging. That's a big shift too. Yeah, it is. And so with that, I think you'll see um, you know, more, more and more commitment towards the impact. Yeah, you know, looking back 10 years ago, it was really Arnridge Messina that was engaging our clients on this first. Again, us kind of having that forward-looking view of markets and, and bringing up the topic with our clients today. When I think about some of the, uh, you know, prospective new clients that we've been engaged in discussions with, whether it's, you know, wealth management clients or institutional clients, again, I, I kind of talk about how our conversations have shifted with our investment managers. I would say our conversations have shifted with, you know, new clients to Arnridge Messina where they're being more proactive and bringing it up in conversations. And we're certainly happy to engage them in that dialogue because we've been practicing in this space for almost a decade now and, and feel really comfortable with, you know, where the world has been and where we think it's going. Well, this is very exciting and especially exciting to be at the forefront of it. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to add? No, I think that's no, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, thanks for having Wonderful. us. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Brian and Ryland for joining us today. Boy, there's a great deal to talk about when it comes to impact investing, and we look forward to continuing the conversation in our next podcast, where we'll dive into our specific impact themes that we talked about a little bit today. Uh, for more information, please visit us online at arnerichmessina.com, where you can read our white paper, Impact Investing, Why, What, How, or an executive summary of the paper as well as watch our short video about impact investing. Um, and of course, visit part one of this Impact Investing podcast series. Thank you, uh, Brian and Ryland. Thank you so much for joining us today and look for the next podcast coming soon. Great. Thanks, Jillian. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Arnerch Messina's podcast. Please see the podcast description for important copyright and disclaimer information.